so today we're, we're in our series um, on purpose. And last week we heard uh, from Andrew Sherman, and he talked about uh, self-purpose and how King Saul lived a life that was kind of for his own purposes and how ultimately that led to a life of ruin. Uh, and today we're going to be talking uh, about God's purpose, and we're going to be looking at the contrasting story of, from King Saul to King David. Um, before we do that, I'm going to tell you just a little story. Um, when I was younger, uh, one of, when I was a kid, actually, one of the special things that my dad would actually do uh, when he would come home after work is that he would often bring home movies. Uh, and this was before the days when we all had our own individual devices, so we weren't all, you know, in our rooms watching our own movies and our own television shows. When a movie got brought home, it was exciting because it was a movie. Like, what? That was super exciting for us. Uh, and he would often, and back then he brought it home, it was on a cassette called a VHS. Uh, <laughs> there are some people in this room who may not know what a VHS is. Uh, there may be some people in this room who also don't know what a DVD is, but it's what you watch movies on in the old days. Uh, and something about these movies that, was, that were always fun, uh, and well, sometimes fun, sometimes not so much fun, is that my dad is really good at watching movies and he knows a lot about movies. So oftentimes you're gonna be reading, or not gonna be reading, you're gonna be watching this movie and we're gonna get like a quarter way into the movie and my dad will have the whole thing figured out already. And then he'll proceed to tell you what is gonna happen. So he'll tell you who the killer is in the first 10 minutes, you're like, come on, dad. Or the gem is a fake, or that's not their real parents. Uh, all these different things, uh, and it was like, sometimes it, he was wrong, but nine times out of ten, he was probably right. Uh, and we just got to enjoy the rest of the movie play out to how my dad told us it was going to happen, which was great. Uh, <clears throat> and when I was a kid, and even today, I, love, I still love watching movies. Um, I love the stories behind them. And stories have this awesome effect in how we learn and we take in information. Uh, whether you, you, know, you read a book, or you watch a movie, or even if you play a video game, oftentimes there are stories that can be communicated through these mediums um, that speak to you in a different way than a list would. You know, when I was younger, I had my driver's license for a very short period of time, and I got into an accident, and I got, had to take this, uh, this driver's training course, and we went to the city, and they could have just told us, you know, uh, keep, your, keep your speed limit under 100, or don't fall asleep under the, at the wheel. But instead, they showed us videos of people falling asleep at the wheel, and we saw them like getting into accidents, and it kind of blew our minds. <clears throat> Stories have this impact, and they show us, show us um, the purpose or the meaning behind a story uh, or a lesson. <clears throat> and I think we often find that today in, t in today's world, too. Like When we come to church, uh, oftentimes if we hear somebody who has come to Christ, that's, a, that's great news, and we're excited about it. Uh, but when they begin to tell us our story, something makes us lean in. We want to hear about their life. What brought them to this point? What made them decide to make this decision in their life? And something that I've been doing lately is I've been able to take some courses through Pathway, uh, and I've been excited about it. I've been learning how to read the Bible in new ways. And we've been learning about different types of books of the Bible. So a couple of weeks ago, I talked about Third uh, John, and in that in, in Third John, it's a letter, and how it's written is like, like a letter, very commonly like how, what is written today. Uh, but today we're going to be looking at the type of books that are called narratives, so uh, books that communicate a story. Um, and we're going to be looking in First and Second Samuel uh, at these narrative-type books. And um, these narrative-type books, I think, are important because instead of God just telling us what to do, he shows us through Scripture and all the stories in it how we should live these things out 
how, who and who he is. He reveals himself through these stories. And now sometimes people say that because they're a story, maybe we shouldn't take it uh, as truth, um, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, just because something is being presented in a story format, it doesn't mean that they're not real historical events. Uh, and it doesn't discount the historical events either. But it just means that they are more than history. It's like a theological history. The stories are meant to inform us of what happened and bring deeper meaning into what was happening at the time. They show us who God is and what we can know about him. And the important thing when we read these books is to acknowledge that we are not the main character of those books. Throughout the, book, throughout the Bible, the main character in this book is always God. There are many different characters that come into play, um, but all of these things show us are, are pointing to one individual, one person, God. And it would be a tragedy for us to, to try to think that the story is about who we're reading or even put ourselves in the position of the main character. I know that's easy. I, I remember the first time that I learned that the world was not about me. It was a shock. Uh, but it's not. It's about who God is. And whether we're here or not, his purposes and who he is will stay the same. He's not dependent on us and our stories. He shares his stories with us so that we can know him better. <clears throat> And it's important to know this because I think a couple of weeks we talked about in, in our series on John uh, about teachers that are false teachers and, and things that we should be aware of. Um, when we choose to make God up in our own mind, when we make him up on our own opinions and our own decisions, we create him up in ourselves. It's not the God of the Bible. It's a God that we've made in our own image. Um, people can have a lot of ideas about who God is. People can have a lot of theories. Uh, but just hoping that he's a certain way or believing that he's a certain way really hard doesn't change who he is. And we must look back to scripture in order to find out who he really is. And it's not like a movie. We don't guess who God is when we start watching it. We read it out and we see who he is for real. Uh, and Paul wrote this letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, and it says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The way that we get to know God, who God is, is through this word. The way that we get to know his purposes, the reason why we're here, the reason, uh, or what he, what he intends to do with us, is through this, is through this word. <clears throat> and that's the first main point that I want to make to you guys today, is that the Bible reveals God's unchanging purposes. So for today's scripture, we are going to be doing a comparison and a contrast uh, to last week when Andrew talked about King Saul. And so last week when Andrew, when Andrew talked about King Saul, he was Israel's first chosen king, uh, chosen by God to lead this nation of Israel. And throughout this story, we see that he has a great start, uh, and, and, and there comes a point in his life where God tells him to destroy the Amalekites, uh, to wipe them out completely to leave nothing left. Uh, and we see that Saul doesn't obey that in the story. Um, he, he, sa he saves all of the best livestock, and he, save, he spares the king, Agag. And then when Samuel, the prophet, comes to him, he presents to him, like, what are you doing? And first, the first thing that King Saul says is, I've obeyed the Lord. And then Samuel says, no, you didn't obey the Lord. And then King Saul says, oh, well, we're saving these livestock to sacrifice to the Lord, your God. 
And then, and then Samuel confronts him again. And then, you know, King Saul admits to the sin, but then he, he also kind of talks about how he was pressured by the people. And he's never really repentant about it. And so we see this character, Saul, uh, who, who fell. Uh, and now today we're going to be looking at the story of King David. So the story of King David is found, well, it's found in many places, but the story that we're going to be looking at today is in 2 Samuel, uh, chapters 11 and 12. Uh, we're going to read chapters, or chapter 11 together. So when you have 2 Samuel chapter 11, starting in verse 1, if you guys would rise, uh, something that we just do to honor God's word, there's nothing uh, super special about it, other than we respect his word and we want to show honor for that. <clears throat> okay, starting in verse 1, chapter 11. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone out to find about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and she came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. All right, you guys can have a seat. <clears throat> I'll just have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that um, you have given us the ability to know who you are. And Lord, that you reveal yourself through scriptures in many different ways. Uh, Lord, we just pray that as we read these stories, that we would come to know who you are in a deeper way. Um, and that we would align ourselves with your purposes, um, the reason why you're here, or the reason why you've created us and, and what you intend for us. Lord, we just thank you for this time, and we pray you bless it. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so we talked, or last week we talked about King Saul and how he came to this point in his life where he had a decision to make in obeying God, and he chooses not to. We now find David in a similar situation. Uh, David was the king, second king of Israel, also chosen by God. Um, and we see that during this time when he should be out at war, uh, he's, staying, he's staying back at home, and he spots this woman, uh, Bathsheba, and he sees her bathing, and he decides that, that she, that's, that's what he wants, even though he knows it's the wife of another man. <clears throat> so David sleeps with her, and she gets pregnant, and Uriah, her husband, is currently fighting in the war, and so David call and because David or because Bathsheba is pregnant, David kind of hatches this scheme to kind of cover up what he's doing, kind of you know get rid of the, get rid of the evidence. And so he calls Uriah back from the war. Uriah is currently fighting in the war, and he asks him how things are going and tries to convince him to go home and be with his wife. Uh, that way, maybe the pregnancy happened that way. It wasn't with King David. But Uriah. Um, he, he decides that he's not going to do it while everyone's at war. He's a man of integrity. While everyone's out at war, he's not going to go home and enjoy the time with his wife. 
So David tries again, and he gets him drunk the second night, and then he tries to send him home again. But still, Uriah, being a man of integrity and character, doesn't go home. And so David does another thing. He sends him back to war with a letter, a letter with his own death sentence. The letter tells the commander of the army to put him in the front where the battle, where the fighting is fierce um, and where he would likely die. What ends up happening is Uriah does die and, Bathsheba, and David takes Bathsheba into his home. So here we see, or from last week when we talked about King Solomon and his disobedience to God, we see again with King David his disobedience. And David is known for to be known as one who's after God's own heart. When, when God was going to replace Saul, he spoke to the prophet Samuel and said that he was going to choose another one, one that was after God's own heart. And now we see this man here, and he's also failed. He's broken the Ten Commandments. He's coveted another person's wife. He's lied. He's stolen. He's murdered. He's done all these different things. And he's tried to hide it. He doesn't even confess it. And like Samuel, who approached uh, Saul in his sin, there's another messenger that comes to David. And this is the prophet Nathan. And we're going to begin reading about him in chapter 12. And because it's a longer portion, I'm going to read it for you guys. But you can feel free to follow along, starting in chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord sent Nathan to David. And when he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. Upon hearing this, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel and Judah. And if all of this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house, because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says, Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all of Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. So as we read these stories, uh, it's important to know that that these themes in, in the Bible... 
Uh, we, see this, we see what happens with King Saul, and we see a comparison happening with King David as well. And this isn't the only uh, story that is like this. Uh, we see this happening constantly. But before we get into that, uh, we'll do a comparison on these two stories. So both of these two kings were Israel, or kings of Israel, uh, chosen by God. Um, it wasn't like they got there by ill-gotten means. They were chosen by God to be in this place. Both of them did evil in the sight of God. And both of them were confronted by prophets. Saul by Samuel and David by the prophet Nathan. And now some of the things that are different about this is, well, when sin is confronted with sin, he begins to make excuses. He says, uh, I obeyed. Um, oh, well, I saved it. I disobeyed so that I could offer it to God. The people, I was scared of them. And here we see something different when David is confronted. When David is confronted with sin, we don't see him trying to make an excuse. He immediately says, I have sinned against God. And then as a result, we see also a, a difference in outcomes. Uh, where Saul rejects the word of the Lord and disobeys him completely, God rejects him as king. And because David humbles himself and acknowledges his wrongdoing, uh, his life is spared, although there are still consequences. His son still dies. And, there, and, and actually, from this point on, his life kind of takes a downward spiral a little bit, although he's still spared. And these are just two stories that are compared next to each other. And, this, and, this, and the reason I'm, doing, I'm showing you guys this is to show you how uh, God reveals himself throughout Scripture. He reveals it in stories and in patterns, in ways that we can know who he is and his character. And what we can learn from, 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 this, from these stories is that God is, is an authority. He established these kings. Um, and he holds them to account to him. Um, and when, when wrongdoing happens, he administers justice on it. <clears throat> we also see that when, when Saul um, is proud and doesn't humble himself before God, there's consequences. And with David, we see when he humbles himself before the Lord that God has mercy on him. And this, story is, this, story, this theme is repeated over and over again. With Adam and Eve, we have the story of the beginning when God created man with him and they were together in the garden. And what happens is that man falls away. They sin against God. And as a result, God administers his justice. He kicks them out of the garden. But even then, he had a plan to redeem everyone through his son, Jesus. We see it again with Noah and the flood. The whole entire earth turns to evil. We see God administering his justice by saving the ones that were righteous, Noah. The Israelites, God's chosen people, completely turn away from God over and over again. And we see examples of him disciplining them and then bringing them back. We see ourselves in this situation. We see ourselves unable to escape from our sin and a God who sent his son to pay the price so that those who turn to him can be saved. When we look at scripture, we can see God's intention. We can find his purposes. We can see who he is. <clears throat> oh, that went down the wrong, <coughs> wrong way. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Okay. <clears throat> And so when we find the purposes, these purposes of God, and we, and we see the patterns and, and, and we learn about who he is from his word, uh, we can choose to respond to him and we, can, and we can see what we should do next. From the stories of King Saul and King David, there are two responses that we see. 
We can continue to make excuses for our own sins. We can choose to, to say, okay, well, I'm sinning, but he does, you, know, you don't know the, understand the whole picture, or um, there's a reason why I'm doing it. Or we can choose to be humble like David and submit to who God is, not making a God that we're comfortable with. God's okay with this because he knows that I'm really stressed. Or God's okay with this because he knows that we're, we're tight on money right now. Or, um, yeah, all these diff- all, whatever excuses we can think of. We have to choose to look for who he is and submit to that. <clears throat> I know this is true in my own life. Um, another story about me, and you guys may have heard this story before. This is a story I tell a lot because it means a lot to me. But when I was younger, I didn't always make the best decisions in life, especially when I got to high school age. Uh, I was kind of more free. My parents didn't watch me as closely. Um, and I hung out with my friends, and we, 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 I thought I knew what I, what I should do and kind of wanted to experience you know, different things in life. And I remember that there was this period of time where uh, I was hanging out with some of the wrong friends, and I remember coming home one night after having drunk too much, and... My family has always been a family that believes. I grew up in a Christian home. I knew that it wasn't right, but at the time, I was willing to make a concession. So I came home after having drunk too much, and it's late at night, and who do I see in, my, in the house? My, sis, my sister, Janelle. And I'm like, oh, great. Here it comes. She's going to tell me how I've done wrong, and this is going to be a big spiel, and like, I'm just going to ignore it. When I see my sister Janelle, she looks at me and she's like, she looks at me like she's genuinely worried because she's like, what is going on with you? And she kind of figures it out. And she asks me a question and she says to me, can I make you some eggs? And I was like, yes, yes you can. <laughs> if your sibling ever asks you if they can make you food, your answer is always yes. Or unless you don't trust them. Uh, <laughs> you shouldn't accept food from me. <laughs> um, so she makes me these eggs. And I sit down and I eat them and, you know, I'm kind of trying to not, not to be a little bit too crazy in front of her or anything. And I just remember walking away from the end, at the end of that night and just thinking to myself uh, of who my sister Janelle was. She had been following, she, like, it was apparent to me that she had been following God. Like, she'd been, she, she's, it was obvious in the way she lived her life. She put it on her bedroom door. She talked about it. And now when I come to her, I see God's reflection in her. I see the character of who God is. You know how Samuel was, or King Saul was confronted with Samuel. King David was confronted with Nathan. I was confronted with my sister. And she, here she is showing me who God is and serving me when I didn't deserve it. And I had to ask myself, and I had to, I had to humble myself. I had, to be, I, had an op- I had a choice to make in that, in that moment. I could be like King Saul and say, okay, well, you know what? I'm young. It's okay. I only get to be this age once. You know, it doesn't really matter. God doesn't care too much about it. Or I could have been like David and been like, I know what I'm doing is wrong. I can see it. I know who God is. <clears throat> and while that story didn't make me perfect, <laughs> I'm still not perfect, um, it did humble me. It made me realize that as an older brother, I needed to be an example for my sister, that I needed to humble myself to God's purposes and not my own.
And I think we all have that choice to make. We all are confronted with sin. It's nothing new to any of us. We all have things in our life where we can choose to continue doing what we're doing or we can stop. And not, and even we might even need help with that stopping. But the first thing is to admit that we've done wrong, like King David did. And King David didn't live a perfect life after that either. And we're not going to live perfect lives. But we must live lives that, that, um, that are in humility to Christ. We must submit to his will and his purposes. And we have to lay aside our own desires. So the second point that I wanted to make was that um, God calls us to align with his purposes. God reveals his promises or his purposes through scripture. God calls us to align with his purposes. The third point that I want to make to you guys is that God's purposes cannot be thwarted. They can't be stopped. We might have ideas and plans for ourselves uh, in our future and in our lives to obtain certain things, to do certain things, uh, to, to enjoy certain things, but those things might not come to pass for us. Our, the, our, our, you know, our, our, our picture of our perfect life in our head probably will not happen. But time and time again, God's purposes we see in Scripture continue to be true, despite, despite our, our failures. We see it with Adam and Eve. The fact that Eve ate from the tree of good and evil, didn't, uh, it didn't stop God from, from wanting to be in a relationship with mankind. We see with Noah in the flood, the whole world turning to evil, his destruction of the, of the world and of the people in it, um, it wasn't, his plans were not thwarted because Noah was righteous and he was able to save him through it. Israel's constant disobedience and rejection of God didn't stop his plans for redeeming the world. Uh, David's sin didn't stop the Messiah being born from the line of David. His descendant was Jesus. Our own sin does not stop God's plans for us. <clears throat> Even the Roman Empire, who was oppressing Israel at the time of when Jesus was around, didn't stop the Messiah from coming and from ruling. In fact, God used the Roman Empire to enact the justice upon Christ that was meant for us. <clears throat> As I go into our, the last couple of points here, I'd just like to invite the worship team to come up. <clears throat> As we read in God's word and as we continue to know more about him, um, it's important that we align ourselves with his purposes and his will because his purposes and will last forever. God's per he has revealed himself. His justice will be had. Um, and for us as believers, uh, who those who turn to him, that justice can be met in the person of Jesus. It doesn't have to be on you and me. If you're here today and you feel like you've been burdened by sin, that you've come to know who God is and you know that what you're doing isn't right, you have an option to turn to him. Salvation will be had. The end of the world will happen. Heaven and hell are real. Um, his purposes will always come to pass, and we can trust in them. If someone was to ask me why I believe in who God is, it's because I've seen the, because I've seen the proof that he is who he is, says he is. We see it in, in Scripture that he says, uh, you know, that he loves us, that he has a plan to, to save us, and we see it in story after story 
of people falling away from him and him coming forward to, to, to extend mercy to them for those who would humble themselves and turn to him. <clears throat> so, I mean, if you're here today and you're struggling with sin in your life, know that you can turn to him and that uh, you can be assured of those things. Okay, why don't we pray together? Dear Lord, we just want to thank you again for today. Lord, we thank you that your promises are true. And Lord, that things that you have willed come to pass. Uh, Lord, in our lives, help us to know you, who you are. Help us to look to you in scripture, not in, from our own ideas and from our own thoughts, from the people that around us that tell us things, but Lord, from who we can know and who we can see that you are in scripture. Um, Lord, we just pray that as we go into our lives, that we continuously submit to who you are, not seeking our own desires and our own purposes in life that ultimately are going to pass away. But Lord, that we would continuously turn to yours and to your purposes and your will for our lives. Purposes that will remain true no matter what, that nothing can stop. Lord, we just thank you for who you are today, and we just pray that as we go from today, that you would convict us of our sins, and that we would be humble enough to turn to you, knowing that we can't do it ourselves. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in your name. Amen.